Welcome in to episode 11 of the Whoopig Weekly Podcast, your weekly source for all things Arkansas Razorbacks. This week, the episode is brought to you by Row One Brand. Row One Brand is an American sports brand that sells sports wall art, sports gifts, watches, and vintage apparel. You can use promo code VSP15 to receive 15% off any item in the art gallery, or you can use promo code VSN20 to receive 20% off any watch. And I tell you, go, go go give them a look. You know, their watches are pretty sweet. They've got some classic uh, vintage watch faces, for, especially when you start looking at Arkansas items, they've got a, a, a very wide range of collection of those. So go give them a look and, you know, use those promo codes. We got Seth here back as our co-host this week. And so we'll jump back in here and start off with some football news where I think we kind of got ahead of ourselves last week, but Kendall Browse is out, and Dan, Dan Enos is in. So we have a new OC in Arkansas. Yeah, I, uh, I have to eat a little bit of crow there on on my take last week on that. I, a little bit unexpected. I think kind of came as a little bit of a surprise to a lot of people, especially considering the way the, the earlier on news with Mississippi State situation, how all that played out. I think uh, there's, there's a lot of speculation in this whole – you know, Browse being out, Danos being in. Um, I think a lot of that kind of boils down to the the uh, speed in which Danino's got brought in. So you can kind of make make of that what you want, but I think there could have been some uh, some tired ears hearing Kendall Browse was listening to more offers. I think that may have had something to do with that that hire. Yeah, I was about to say from just some different sources I've heard that, you know, Bryles was trying to and then since Fleece Arkansas for another raise and, you know, Urichek and uh, Pittman were, you know, they weren't putting up with that after just agreeing to a raise after the Mississippi State, you know, potential there. So, you know, they kind of told them, you know, we're not playing this game. So, you know, you can go ahead and go if you want. We got, you know, a guy lined up anyway. So I think Dan Enos is um... – he may not be the splash hire that a lot of people may have wanted. Um, obviously, he's a comfortable hire having some some history with Pittman in the past, but I think we'll kind of keep diving into this a little bit deeper here in a minute. But I, I definitely think that he brings a healthy balance and obvious, obvious um, benefit to the quarterback position. So I'm, I'm excited to have him on board. I think that's a good point there. You know, he he brings familiar familiarity with the program, and you know the years he is here with under Bielema, and that's kind of we'll get into that. So Danny Nos was previously the OC at Arkansas from 2015 to 2017 under Brett Bielema, and you know he's he was here. You know he worked with uh, in 2015 Brandon Allen, making him you know one of the top quarterbacks in the country, you know, having him coming in at number six in the country for quarterback rating that year, you know, he's a guy that knows how to develop quarterbacks and can have balanced attacks. You know, just to give you an example of that in 2015, Brandon Allen threw for 3,440 yards for 30 touchdowns and only eight interceptions, but also you had Alex Collins rush for 1,577 yards and 20 touchdowns. It doesn't get a whole lot more balanced than that, frankly. <laughs> I was about to say, that's almost a good 50-50 split there. So, you know, when you look at – I think you can't necessarily look at the record back when he was here because, you know, offense is only half of it. I think during those years when Brett Bielen was here, we didn't have the best defense. But if you're looking from a purely offensive standpoint, it's hard to get over, you know, 
stats like that. Yeah, I I think uh, another testament to that success is he was able to get Brandon Allen and Alex Collins that type of success without as much talent around him as, in my opinion, that we have on the team now. There's a whole lot of talent in that wide receiver room now. There's a whole lot of talent on the offensive line. I mean, there's there's a couple new faces there and whatnot that uh, have yet to be really proven, but there's there's so much talent there that I'm not 100% sure that 2015 team had at this level. So I'm I'm excited to see what Enos can kind of milk out of those guys. And I think a lot of things Arkansas fans are looking forward to is, you know, talking about tight ends because, you know, that's one thing Bryles didn't really utilize very well was the tight end game. But back in 2015, you know, you have a stud like Hunter Henry who came in and that year had, you know, 51 catches for 739 yards and three touchdowns, you know, may not be a lot of touchdowns, but there was a lot of crucial plays that were involved in. And, you know, Eno was able, Enos and that offense was able to, allow him to be awarded the Mackey Award for the nation's best tight end. I think that comes at kind of the right time, keeping Shamar Easter, having Haas come in. There, there's going to be some some added depth there at that tight end position, and Enos is the guy to, to utilize that talent, that's for sure. I think not a lot, not only added depth, but, you know, a lot more talent, because if you look at, at our tight end room this year, you had Trey Knox, and, you know, we really fell off after him. You didn't really have any guys behind him. You know, you saw flashes of uh, Ty Washington, who who was redshirted this year, but he came out in the bowl game and had a touchdown. So I, I think our depth and talent in tight end room next year is going to be a lot more visible, especially, you know, if Danny knows comes in and, you know, has a balanced attack for that. I agree. I think one thing that I'll be watching for personally is a, a little bit better scheming, utilizing the tight ends on on just pass protection. Um, I think that was the one weakness that Trey Knox had. I mean, he had some really some some great highlight catches and some really clutch catches for us. But if you go back and look at a lot of the sacks that KJ had to take, a lot of the times that offensive line was getting beat, it was from that tight end position. Um, he was missing his chip blocks or just missing his blocking assignment altogether, and uh, that really cost us on some plays. So hoping we can kind of shore that that aspect of the tight end position up. That's true. And, you know, we, we were talking about this 2015 season, and, you know, that's not a fluke because if you move on and look at that following season in 2016, you know, Enos also had, you know, Brandon Allen's little brother, Austin Allen, who also came in that season that following season and threw for 3,430 yards and 25 touchdowns as well. And you had Raleigh Williams, you know, replace Alex Collins and rush for 1,360 yards and 12 touchdowns. So, you know, there's not really any drop off, you know, he had a consistent offense, both those seasons here. Yep. It's a good Testament. And then that talk brings us into talking about, you know, Enos coming in. And I think he's going to be very beneficial for both KJ and Rocket next season. I think there's several things that you can look at for both those guys with Enos coming in, especially, you know, I think he'll be able to help KJ develop his passing game, you know, to the next level. I think so too. I think it kind of goes back to us talking about tight ends a little bit more. Um, you could kind of tell that KJ had a tendency to want to check down to the tight ends. And that that normally went fairly well, especially with Knox having good hands. But he's going to have a lot more plays that are actually designed to utilize those tight ends. I think that'll really just bolster KJ's confidence, especially kind of early on in games, get him some of those easy receptions to the tight ends on checkdowns and things like that. And uh, I I really think that's going to 
exemplify his his game and build his confidence earlier in games, and that'll show through. I think so too, and I think one thing that we might see more of next season with KJ too is more of those intermediate passes because this year you know we either wanted to throw a screen pass or we wanted to go for the deep ball. There was not really in between, and then when we would throw those in between balls, there wasn't really much you know, consistency there as far as the receivers and KJ being on the same page, the passes were were either in front of them or behind them. So I think that's something that, you know, you know, so be able to come to be able to come in and help KJ develop that mid range 10 to 15 yard passing game. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Especially with, you know, we're going to have a ton of talent in the wide receiver room, maybe even more than we did this year with just the transfers we were able to bring in and the young guys that, you know, will be stepping up and, you know, I'm excited to see what Isaiah Centennial can do that's from, you know, hometown kid from here in Fayetteville that's got track speed. You know, if we can get him on some go routes, you know, I think he has the chance to beat a lot of coverages downfield. Yeah, I think we have a, a dramatic increase in average size of our receivers this year as well. And I, I think that that will add a lot to that kind of mid mid type pass game, those curl routes and things like that, where those guys have those big bodies kind of box out the corners. Um, I think you'll see a little bit better results on those passes, even if KJ isn't as accurate as he needs to be when you have enormous receivers to throw to like that. Yeah, that's and that's true. And I, I think another thing that we'll see more that would be beneficial to Rocket, you know, this next season is he'll have some more divine, designed, you know, running back plays that are designed for him instead of, you know, we saw a lot of plays this year, there were option plays. If KJ didn't see anything, he handed the ball off. There wasn't many play calls that were specifically, let's turn around, hand the ball off to Rocket and let him do his thing, you know. So I think that's something that we'll also probably see more of this season. Yep. I agree with that, especially depending on, on how many strides we can make on that offensive line and you and kind of to my point earlier, utilizing those tight ends on interior blocking schemes and whatnot. There there could be a lot there that we haven't seen in several years in design run plays. That's true. And so I think, you know, when it boils down to it next season, we should see a more balanced attack as far as passing and rushing and also with ball distribution as far as getting a lot more guys involved compared to, you know, the past few seasons where two years ago it was majority of the passes went to Traylon. This season it was a lot of passes went to either Matt Landers or Hazelwood. You know, you didn't have much, you know, variety as far as the guys that were spread around too. And I think we'll see an uptick in that this this upcoming season. I think so too. And then – yeah, and, and so then when you jump over to the defensive side of the ball, late last night Arkansas picked up a commitment from Mizzou defensive end transfer, Tranjon Jeffcoat. So he's coming over from Missouri at that defensive end position, and, and it's a position that Arkansas was in need of getting some depth at for this upcoming season after the departure of Jordan Dominic and a few other guys after the bowl season, whether that's eligibility, run out, or transfer. But in his four seasons at Missouri, he had 59 tackles, 19 and a half tackles for loss, 11 and a half sacks, two forced fumbles. And in 2020, he was voted an all SEC player. I'm excited to get him picked up. Um, I think one of the reasons he's trying to transfer is just to get a little bit more utilization. He obviously had a great year in 2020 and 2021-22, uh, not, not quite the same, um, but not bad at all. He just, I think he needs to, 
find a spot where he can be utilized and kind of have his talent shine through. I'm hoping he he finds a spot on our defensive line that we, we to your point, we have a lot of holes to fill. And that, and along with that, you know, we'll have to have more depth there, especially with, you know, from the new co-defensive coordinators, we're going to have a more aggressive approach and run a lot more four-man fronts instead of a three-man front like we did this year. And I think that's what Arkansas needs. And I think that's kind of what we were missing a little bit last year, but we were having to work with, you know, the depth issues and the struggling issues we had in the secondary. But I think, you know, bringing in a guy like this, you know, when we're going to switch it up to a more aggressive front is going to be extremely beneficial. I agree. Let those guys pin their ears back. They'll find that ball carrier and find the quarterback. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of good things to look forward to when you talk about, you know, this upcoming football season, you know, there's a lot of curiosity and I think optimism with, you know, some fresh faces on both sides of the ball with new coordinators on both sides and, you know, seeing, you know, can Pittman take this program to the next level next season, you know, after having a few seasons under his belt, making all, all games every season he's been here. Um, so I think that's something that, you know, everybody's looking forward to. Yep. I agree. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it. I, I almost feel like it's a rebuilding year um, kind of mixed in with a reloading year at the same time. So I'm, I'm really excited to see how we kind of formulate the team. Those those first few games of the season, those kind of tune-up games, as they say, will be uh, really crucial games for us. Yeah, that, that's true. And so now we'll swap over to some Arkansas basketball news and we'll talk some men's basketball, whereas we, we both we all know, you know, as Arkansas fans, it, it's been a struggle these past few games. It's been rough. You know, we've had a stretch of, you know, four or five games and starting off in SEC play one five, you know, and when you talk about, you know, basketball this past week, you know, we had Missouri last week where we ended up losing that game 79 to 76. And, you know, in my opinion, some questionable calls in that game that, you know, could have, you know, easily been the other way that could have swayed the game in a different direction. Yeah, that was a, it was definitely a hard loss to take. We were up by about 10 points with roughly three, three minutes and some change in the second half. And Missouri, I mean, you got to give them credit. They found a way to rally. Um, to your point, I think they had some calls kind of go that way. Even even the SEC kind of came out with some statements regarding the the charge call on Devo late in the game that, frankly, should not have been called, should have been a blocking foul. But anyways, can't, can't always get the calls, so you got to find a way to win even when you're not getting them. Arkansas, unfortunately, couldn't do that. Um, but I think this was definitely a – we'll get to some of the stats in a minute, but this was definitely a game that I thought we executed a lot better across the board on offense. We shot a lot better from three-point range and obviously shot a lot better from free throws. Just kind of didn't bounce our way there at the very end. But definitely think the the team from an overall standpoint made some significant strides trying to get kind of back into the rhythm and conference play. I agree. And, you know, like we said, when we start breaking down this game, you know, it was, you know, we had, you know, good scoring, you know, spread out between a lot of guys. You know, Devo came in and led the team in scoring with 18 points. Anthony Black had 15, and Ricky Council had 13. And then you had Jordan Walsh coming off the bench to add in another 12 points. So you had a lot of distribution between guys, a lot of guys scoring and not just being one guy, whether it be Black or Council that, you know, scores 20-something points a game. And then you had – Makai Mitchell and Devo Davis also tied in rebounds with nine each, followed by Black with eight, 
and Kamani with seven. So this is a game where I think you have a lot more distribution and a lot more balance. And I think that's where Arkansas is starting to find their stride at, whereas it's not one guy having to do it all by himself, but more or less a lot of guys chipping in and doing it together. Yeah, I agree. I'll, I'll kind of take this next line here. I spoke to it a minute ago, but the team shot 46% from the field on 20, 23 out of 50 shooting. Um, one a couple of the stat lines I was happy to see, we shot 41.2% from the three-point line, seven out of 17. That's a fairly drastic improvement on the uh, the season averages up to this point. And then another large improvement in my eyes was 88.5% from the free throw line, 23 out of 26. Those are those are definitely metrics that I uh, was glad to see us improve on as I think those were some of our biggest struggles and, frankly, some reasons we lost some games early on in the year. I was about to say, yeah, it's hard to hate that stat line. I think it's one of our better ones this season where, you know, it's hard to complain when, you know, you lose a game but you still shot 46% and 41% from both the field and three-point range and you're making, you know, all but three of your free throws. You know, that that's a, just a sign that, you know, you had a good game and, you know, it's tough when you're shooting that well and it still doesn't go your way. And, I mean, we, we briefed on it a little bit earlier, but, you know, this game, there's a lot of questionable calls. But not only that, just a ton of fouls called in this game. You had a total of 56 fouls called in a 40-minute basketball game, which is quite ridiculous that, you know, if you break that down and look at it, that's almost a whistle being blown every 43 seconds. So it, it's hard to play a game that way and get into a rhythm. Yeah, definitely. I Obviously, we had several guys foul out. Um, Missouri had several guys foul out. It's, it, it did kind of change the the color of the game towards the, the, the last few minutes. Um, I think that was definitely a, a significant factor on us giving up that 10-point lead we had with a few minutes left in the game. We just had several guys that were not playing quite as aggressive on defense as they are accustomed to. I think that definitely allowed Missouri to kind of come back into it because they were obviously scared to pick up those fouls and then just losing personnel and some depth there at the very end of the game. I had a couple yeah. of guys playing the last few minutes that normally probably wouldn't have been playing those last few minutes. And so could have had some nerves there and just added stress that we weren't really used to. Right. And then you mentioned it earlier, but you know, one of the big fouls in the game that came with 43 seconds left in the game was, yeah, Devo Davis called for a charge that, you know, fouled him out of the game. And, you know, the next day you had the SEC come out and issue a statement saying that the official should have reviewed that play. And, you know, if that, that play would have been reviewed, that call could have been overturned, which it should have been. And, you know, then that, you know, causes a chain reaction. You don't have Devo fouling out. You have him going to the line for two free throws and, you know, it could have, you know, turned the game around. So I think that's something that the SEC needs to work on is making sure that what needs to be reviewed is reviewed, you know, making sure that they're aware of these rules, which it's hard to believe that this these rules have been in effect since 2017 and you're still messing up on them. So that's something that it's very frustrating as an Arkansas fan, and I think it's something the SEC needs to get sorted out. Yeah, I agree. Um the rule in specific is that under two minute caveat to where they can review those charge plays and uh, determine if somebody was inside the restricted arc. But I, whenever I was watching the game, I thought they did review that. And it sounded to me like they gave an explanation to the, the announcers that he uh, had his foot up 
even though he was standing inside the restricted arc, his his left foot was not touching the floor. <laughs> I I'm not 100% sure if that was just the the announcers kind of trying to read between the lines on what happened. I think later on they said that they claimed that that play wasn't reviewable, even though by the rule book, to your point, it, it should have been reviewable. So definitely a lot of things around that whole situation that that really were gotten wrong, um, that to your point I would like to see corrected and, and have a little bit more uh, emphasis put on in the future games. Right, and I think I think that pause we saw there that when everybody thought they were reviewing that play, I think that well, what the SEC said is they were actually making a call to SEC officiating, like the headquarters, to making sure if that play was reviewable, and and ultimately, you know, somebody that night said no, and you know that's something that you know if you're working there, you should automatically know that that's a reviewable play, so. That's something that hopefully gets corrected, like you said, but you can't look back on it. You know, game's over. We moved on. I mean, that was a big game for both teams as to, you know, getting back on track. But, you know, you got to be resilient and move on to the next game. Yep. Very true. Speaking of moving on to the next games, um, we'll kind of cover the uh, the next game that happened in, in concession after that that loss to Missouri from the men's team. The, uh, the women's basketball team fell to number three LSU on the 19th. Um, it was a close game. They lost 79 to 76, kind of right at the end. Aaron Barnum led the team in scoring with 20 points, followed by Samara Spencer with 13 and Chrissy Carr with 12. Uh, Aaron Barnum led the team in rebounding as well with seven, followed by Mariam Dada with four rebounds, and Jersey Wolfenbarger and Michaela Daniels each had three. Um, the team shot 44.4% from the field on 28 to 63 shooting, 34.5% from the three on 10 of 29, and then an impressive 90.9% from the free throw line, 10 of 11. I think this game obviously was a really tough loss considering how close the game was. Um, but I, if you go back and look at some of the stats, I don't think we have them here, but LSU just got to the free throw line a considerable more amount of times than Arkansas did, and I think that really was the difference in the game was was LSU's ability to to get into the paint and draw those fouls. Yeah, I was about to say when I when I tuned into this game, it it was just you know for Arkansas to go into LSU who and the number te- number three team in the country and take them to the brink. I think that kind of shows you where this team at and what Mike Nabris has done with this team. You know, being able to take one of the top teams in the country, you know, right into the last few minutes of the game, and you know. I think as we keep continuing to develop, those will be games that we figure out how to pull out the win at the end there. Um, but like you said, you can't ask for much more as far as, you know, your stats when as far as Arkansas, you know, shooting well from the field, shooting well from the three-point range, and just shooting unbelievably well from the free throw line where they only missed one shot. So I, I think that shows you, you know, where this team is at as far as, you know, they're being developed. And, you know, I think they're on the verge of, you know, breaking that – that hill of getting over and being able to win some of those tough games. Yeah, I, I definitely think it was a, a good testament to where the team's at. I think it did show some of our weaknesses. Obviously, rebounding was one of those, and then then drawing the fouls kind of in the interior. We're, we're not as physical an interior team as LSU was. Um, that's something that maybe we can improve on in the weeks to come, but definitely a, a good game to – to look at kind of the eye test. We can talk about the South Carolina game here shortly. Might have been a little bit of a different story there, but this game right here was definitely a testament to the uh, the ability of this this women's basketball team. 
Yeah, and that's very true. And then we'll jump over to the, the round starting the weekend out with Arkansas men's basketball, where they played Ole Miss on Saturday. And, you know, glad to see Arkansas got back in the win column in conference play with a 69 to 57 win over the Rebels. You know, Anthony Black led this team in scoring with 17 points, followed by Devo with 16 and Walsh with 13. I think this is, like I said before, you know, we're starting to see this team have a more balanced attack where it's not just one guy doing everything, but, you know, several guys, you know, jumping in and, you know, scoring as well. And and the the announcers on the game, as I was watching it, said something that really stuck out and made sense. And they said, you know, somebody's got to step up and draw the line in the sand and say, I'm tired of losing. You know, I'm tired of this. We're going to get back on track and get a win. And I think you saw that. You know, I think, you know, Devo Davis started that out with, you know, he came out and scored nine of the first few points. You know, he, you know, he's a big emotion guy, and I think you could see he really wanted to get back on track and get a win. One thing I'll, I'll give Devo as well, um, going back to that Missouri game too, he is he's really improved his three-point shot. He's always been able to hit those kind of in clutch time, um, it seems like, but he's he's really starting to develop that three-point shot kind of in tandem with his, his – uh, mid-range jumper he's really starting to get consistent with both of those shots I think that's that's adding a little bit of depth for us um, and and causing teams to have to stretch out a little bit outside of that zone that's really helping everybody else kind of find ways to score points so I think a lot of things key off of him and obviously Joseph Pinion on being able to hit threes to stretch defenses out and open up the lane a little bit more and that, that's very true. And, you know, you mentioned Joseph Pena, you know, he had a huge impact off the bench in this game where he came off the bench to score 13 points where he hit three of six from the three-point line and, you know, a big 22, 22 minutes of action. So, you know, he's you see that uptick in playing time and he's coming in with, you know, essentially what you recruited him to do, come in, be a deep threat. But also, you know, you saw him get down in the post within the trees and get some tough shots down there too. So I think, you know, as the season's progressing, you're seeing him to de- develop a little bit more and being able to contribute more. Yeah. He's really coming into his own. I, I think the more he plays in the SEC um, as, as the year goes on, the more he'll kind of understand how he needs to utilize his body to play defense. And you'll, you'll stop seeing people pick on him quite as much on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, you've really already seen that to an extent, especially in that Ole Miss game. He wasn't uh he wasn't the guy that the teams were really trying to switch onto to get that mismatch. He's really working on his on his footwork, and I think that's really showing through. Yeah, and that, that's true. And I think another guy that's you know slowly coming into his own. You know, we talked about last the Missouri game. He had a good game. Is Jordan Walsh? You know, he he scored thirteen points in this game and also led the team in rebounds with seven. You know, Devo. Davis and Joseph Pinion and Mikael Mitchell all had five rebounds and Anthony Black had three. But when you look at Walsh, you know, he's, you know, a guy that, you know, essentially we're, we're needing more from just because he's one of those highly recruited freshmen that come in and, you know, those first few games kind of was overlooked as, you know, you had guys like Anthony Black, Nick Smith, and Trevor in Brazil kind of taking the spotlight there. But now that the team's really needing, needing him and needing to count on him, I think you're seeing him step up. I think Walsh has always been a little bit underrated on the defensive side. Um, I, I think he could work on a little bit of his aggressiveness on defense to an extent. That's that's part of the reason he gets into foul trouble. But in, in my opinion, he's one of the best players we have as far as their defensive footwork and being able to utilize his body to stay in front of the, in front of um, offensive players. I think a, a lot of the good defensive possessions we have are really kicked off by his 
his initiations. Obviously, Devo Davis as well, but him, Jordan Walsh and Devo Davis really, really bring the heat when it comes to the defense. That's very true. And I think when you look at this game, too, you know, we had another decent shooting performance as the team shot 45.6% from the field in this game, going 26 at 57, shooting 40% from the three point range, going eight of 20, and 52.9% from the free throw line, going nine of 17. Of course, you want to see that free throw percentage go up a little bit but as far as the other two you know your field goal percentage and three-point percentage you know Arkansas is starting to consistently be able to shoot the ball better and shoot the ball better from deep yeah I think that's adding to to our balance kind of to my point earlier Devo and, and Pinion hitting some of those early on in the game really really helps um, the balance of our offense where you have guys being able to actually drive into the lane they have to respect that kick out so they're not able to just really kind of crowd around the paint so a lot of good things come out when you shoot the three ball well. Yeah, and you know we're starting to see that you know adding that three point game breaking the zone that that's that that'll definitely help. You know I think you know it'll be get even better once Nick Smith Junior's back on that. You know and that's another thing that is still up in the air. You know different things coming out. I know Musk said after the game this week that you know he's back at. In Fayetteville, you know, you saw him on the bench Saturday, but he he's not practicing with the team yet. He is back and you know rehabbing with trainers and getting some individual work done but I think we're still on that timeline as far as you know February so it would be nice to get him back for the Baylor game next week as we'll talk about a little bit later but I think you know as long as Devo and Pinion keep stepping up in the three-point range area you know we can make it till he gets back and a quick injury note is Mikael Mitchell. He'll be out at least a week after he got injured in the game Saturday, and he he'll he'll be out with a sprained foot. So that's something we hope he can recover pretty fast and be able to get back and add some depth to that you know forward center position. Yeah, that's a tough loss there. Honestly, uh, we're already kind of thin at to to an extent. Obviously, uh, his uh, his brother Mikai does a pretty good job there as well. Um. But I'll definitely have to see how we have some of the other big step up. Jalen Graham, maybe. I, I've really liked some of his post presence, especially on scoring in. I'd, I'd really like to, like to see him step up on the defensive side of things, but with a few more block shots and things like that. So hopefully he can get some good minutes out of this. Yeah, and I think that's something as we keep seeing these guys develop, you know, with having to step up and needing more from them, I think, you know, we'll – We'll continue to see that, and I think, you know, it's a good point that, you know, the team talked about how, you know, after this game, every game here on out is, you know, essentially a Super Bowl game where it's a must win. We need to win, and especially with our slow start in SEC conference play, we've got to, you know, win out and, you know, get some of these key games down the stretch so we can hopefully get a good seating in the SEC tournament and get back on track to have a good run in the – NCAA tournament. Yep, very true. Good takes on that all around. Hoping we kind of flip the script on the the way the first few games went. That's that's true. And Eric Musselman fashion. Last few years have kind of been that way. I think this year maybe a little bit taller order, but if anybody can do it, it's it's good old Musselman. That's very true. All right, we'll jump over from a nice men's Arkansas win to you know a game that our Arkansas women played number one South Carolina, and I think that 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 says it all right there. They're playing the number one team in the country. That not only are the number one team in the country, the defending champions had the number one recruiting class. You know, they're 
the dynasty in women's basketball right now. And Arkansas fell in this one 92-46, to which you hate to see is such a lopsided score, but as I just said with all those number one things in different categories, you know, it's a good effort, but I don't think anybody is touching South Carolina this season. No, uh, they're they're in a league of their own right now, definitely. I was about to say they're you, at the point where you know you had the UConn dynasty a few years ago in women's basketball, and now it's turned into the South Carolina dynasty. But you know, in this game, you had Samara Spencer lead the team with points with fifteen, followed by Aaron Barnum with eleven, and Michaela Daniels with seven points. And I think this next stats where you see Arkansas struggling in this game, you know, that probably you know equated to that low scoring game is in the rebounding game where uh, our leading rebounder had three rebounds followed by, you know, Aaron Barnum, Chrissy Carr, Riley Langerman, and Miriam Dada all with just two, you know, I think that's where you've got to start. Yeah. I spoke to it a little bit earlier about that in the LSU game, how we, we struggled in rebounding and then uh, didn't, didn't really draw enough fouls. I didn't think, but I think that really, kind of shown through even more in this game as well. Obviously, you're playing literally some of the best opponents we'll ever see, but um, that's that's definitely one of our, our weak points. So I think there needs to be a lot of a lot of emphasis and focus on hitting the boards and, and cleaning up the glass, not even necessarily just on the, on the defensive side. Got to find a way to get some some extra possessions with those offensive rebounds. Yeah, that, that, that's true. I think that's one thing you got to look at is, you know, who you're playing and, you know, what's going on. Like you said, that rebounding game really kills you. Um, but if you actually take a look, you know, when we're talking about, you know, struggling in that rebounding game and you go through and look at, you know, their roster, you know, you've got women on this South Carolina women's team that's six three, six five, six two, six seven, six foot, six one, you know, all above six foot, except for like two players that are at like five eight. So you know that's a very tall team when you talk about women's basketball. Very true. Hard to compete with that type of length. They're, yeah, they're not any slower than we are either. So definitely got a lot of talent on that on that South Carolina team. You can't discredit that at all. And I think when you look at it and talking about that length and, you know, what that does for defense, you know, our team only shot 27.9% from the field going 17 of 61, shooting 16% or 16.7% from the three-point range, shooting five of 30 and 77.8% from the free throw line, but they only shot nine free throws. So, you know, that is tremendous, you know, defensive where, you know, they just locked down and didn't allow any shots. Yeah, tough loss, but one of those ones you, you learn from, shake it off, move on, try to get better on those those areas that you need to improve on and learn from. That's I think there's a lot, of, a lot of learning that can be done from playing a team like that, though, on, on what, you, what you want to achieve and um, kind of copy that mentality that South Carolina has. That's that's what a lot of the greats do is they they find somebody to kind of shape their game after. And I really think that that team as a whole of South Carolina is, is one for all of the really all of the rest of the women's basketball teams in the nation to look up to and try to emulate their success. I was about to say, yeah, that mentality and culture that's been built there is, you know, it's one of those where you got to model from. Yep. We can uh, move over to Arkansas Gymnastics now. 
Um, gymnastics had a meet versus Auburn. We fell in this meet 197.5 to 196.6, so discrepancy less than a point. Um, outscored Auburn on the vault 49.325 to uh, 49.275. I think that was the only category that we actually outscored them in, though. Auburn outscored us on the bars 49.375 to 49.225. Um, they outscored us on the beam 49.3 to 48.825. And then they also outscored us on the floor on 49.55 to 49.3. Um, we spoke to this a little bit last week. I think there's there's so much top talent in the SEC and the gymnastics department that you're going to have these these meets like this where, where everything is kind of by the skin of your teeth. The, the wins are close. The losses are close. Probably see a lot more of this throughout the year. There's going to be a lot of tight matchups. I was about to say, when you start looking at the, you know, women's gymnastic rankings, you've got, you know, seven SEC teams within that top 25. So that kind of just shows you what kind of talent there is in the SEC, especially in the gymnastics, you know, sport. You know, that's something that I think over the few years has gotten a lot popular, a lot more popular and a lot more competitive. You know, we've got a, you know, an amazing team here with an amazing coach, but, you know, you're seeing that everywhere. And I think it, like, like you mentioned, it's going to come down to some of those matches are going to be won by, you know, less than a point that's going to be come down to almost minute, you know, mistakes that could be made, you know, whether it be on the vault, the bars, the beam, or even the floor performance, you know, that's something that it, it's going to be very competitive this season. And so hopefully they can bounce back, you know, as we'll talk about a matchup they got coming up, uh, later on in the show, but, you know, we'll move on to some Arkansas tennis where, you know, we had our men's tennis play Wichita state over the weekend where they got the match win four to one. They also played Lamar and won that match four to zero. And then our Arkansas women's tennis played Arkansas state on January 21st, where they had two different matches with them and won both matches with a score of seven to zero and four to zero. So, you know, it's looking like we're going to have some pretty good men's and women's tennis teams this, this year. And, you know, I think that's, you know, a testament you can look at, you know, with your check as, you know, all of Arkansas sports are in a good spot right now. And, you know, that's something that, you know, I, he's done a tremendous job at that. Just want to stay competitive, man. He's done a great job in keeping pretty much all of our programs in a competitive atmosphere with how tough the SEC is pretty much from top to bottom and all these these different sports and different divisions, things like that. It's, uh, it's, it's good to see the success kind of across the board. Yeah, that's that true. Now we'll jump over to some Arkansas swimming and diving where Arkansas took on Kansas this over this weekend where they won that meet 181 to 112. So I think that, you know, like we've been saying with these other sports, you know, Arkansas has, you know, got a good team, you know, in the season, it's going to be something to watch out for, see how they perform this year and see what they do conference wise. And, you know, as we get to the end of the season where they'll place in, you know, the season. Then we'll move over to some upcoming events and preview some of the events this week and going into the weekend before, you know, our show next week. So, you know, we're going to kick things off with, you know, we got Arkansas men's basketball versus LSU tomorrow night. So I think that's another big game for the basketball team as, you know, we got back on track with a win against 
Ole Miss on Saturday. And, you know, we need to follow that up with, you know, with another good win, especially being at home tomorrow night, pending weather. So looking forward to see if we can get a little bit of revenge there. Yeah, I think that's a game that, you know, a lot of Arkansas fans, you know, again, when you talk about it, it seems like Arkansas has been on the, the, the bad side of, you know, foul calls this season and all the games. And this was another game where, you know, it could have come down to it. There was maybe a few missed calls that, you know, should have been called. And um, I know I, I saw it today on Twitter where they're putting up some motivational signs of an LSU player actually tweeted out um, today while they were getting ready for this week's matchup tomorrow about how they're going to come in and one of their players, their, their exact tweet was, we in Faithville next time bring y'all smoke and we're going to run through it. So, you know, they, they're they already thinking they're going to come in here and come, in on, come into Bud Walton, and, which is one of the toughest places to play in SEC and, you know, get a win like it's nothing. So I think that's something. Hopefully that's- uh, all of our, our younger fellas, I think, struggle a little bit with some of the hype in some of these games. I, looking for Coach Must to kind of not coach them down, so to speak, but make sure that they're uh, they're not overly hyped for this game. Don't I don't want things to get too chippy too early at all. Um, this this game kind of looks like one that could, in my opinion, and uh, ho- hopefully we can kind of have some cooler heads and stay out of foul trouble. I think that's definitely something that needs to be a, a point of emphasis for us going into this game. I think so too. I think this is going to be get, be a game where you know there's going to be a lot of motions in this game, and I, I think that's one thing, especially with Anthony Black, as you know he was on the receiving end of one of those no calls last game where, you know, he got slapped in the face in the face by a player right at the end of the game, you know, and I think he's going to be wanting to come back and get some revenge for that. But also he, he's got to keep a cool head. That way we can, you know, not hurt ourselves in the long run. Yep. Then we got some Arkansas men's tennis versus Oral Roberts on the 25th. Um, and then you got women's basketball playing Alabama on the 26th. So, you know, a game that they can come in and get back on track and get back in the win column um, after a couple of tough losses that, you know, one being very close that, you know, easily could have been a win. And then another one where, you know, like we mentioned, you know, you're playing with the, the best team in the country and, you know, that's all you have to say. And then we got a big gymnastics matchup on the 27th versus LSU. You know, it's going to be another ranked matchup. Like we said, you know, it could come down to very close and almost less than points. So we'll have to, you know, see if we're on the winning end of that. I think that match is actually supposed to be at Arkansas and it's going to be in Bud Walton, whereas typically most matchups are actually in Barnhill. So that's something they tried last year and had great success with is, you know, a lot more attendance when they put it in a building that can house more, you know, fans. So if if possible and it doesn't get messed up due to the weather, everybody get out there and go watch some gymnastics. You won't be disappointed. And you got some Arkansas women's tennis playing Florida State on the 27th as well. And then we'll kick off another part of the Razorback Invitational on the 27th and the 28th for Arkansas men's and men's and women's track team, track and field team. You know, this is one of the Tyson Indoor Stadium is one of the, you know, top places and best places to 
participate in track and field in the country. And I think, you know, that's a testament to um, just how good our, our track and field team is. And you got another men's tennis matchup versus Northwestern on January the 28th. And then that brings us to another matchup as we, you know, we hinted on it earlier. The SEC Big 12 clash is Arkansas men's basketball is going down to Baylor to take on the Baylor Bears on this Saturday, the 28th. So I think that's another matchup that, you know, we hope to see Arkansas have success in. I think if they can squeak out a win against LSU and then go down to Baylor, have a good showing and and pull out a win there in that, that matchup, uh, hopefully kind of get us back in the top 25, get some confidence back in the team that they – can win games, know how to win games. Uh, I think there's it's been a little bit of struggle there. So, hope we can continue the success that we had against Old Miss. Gotta I think keep we shooting will. the ball well. Yeah, I think we will, and I think that you know this is a talented Baylor team, but this isn't the Baylor team from a few years ago that won the you know the the championship there. So you know they've got a Baylor's got a big game tonight against Kansas. So we'll see you know what happens in that game, and then you know keep an eye on that, and then we'll go down to Waco Saturday and see if we can pull out the win. And we got some Arkansas women's tennis versus either Stanford or Kansas State on January the 28th in a tournament-style matchup that's coming up. And so we'll have to wait and see to find out who they're going to play. And then you have a Arkansas swimming and diving meet versus Vanderbilt kicking off some SEC meet, you know, on the 28th as well. You know, and then you've got Arkansas women's basketball playing Ole Miss on January 29th, like we said earlier, hopefully they can get back on track with a win against Alabama. And then, you know, just getting back into a rhythm and make a run here in the end of January, end of February, as we're getting down to crunch time as far as conference play and, you know, getting towards that key part of the season. And then you have rounding out the weekend, you have Arkansas men's tennis, either playing Michigan or Cal Poly and like, a, like just like the women in it in that tournament style they will have to wait and see who they'll end up beat playing so a lot to look forward this week yeah jam-packed week and weekend full of Arkansas sports you know you know we cover everything here so we'll, we'll watch as much as possible and you know that that'll be part of it so you know feel free to reach out to the podcast on Twitter hit us up with things questions things you want to hear things we can you know answer for you you know you can catch us you know the whoopig weekly podcast on twitter it's whoopig weekly at wps underscore weekly you can also catch and ask questions through the southern boy sports twitter page at capital sbs underscore whoopig either of those you can hit us up with your questions and we'll try to answer those but Thank you again for tuning in and listening today's to to today's episode of Whoopig Weekly.